eight. He says it will be good. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve. We'll have them recline at the table and we'll come and wait on them. Our vision as a church is to be a global community of Christ's followers, awakening imagination, igniting passion, and unleashing purpose. Part of being a global community means that we don't focus on ourselves as a church. We focus on others. The person sitting next to you is important. And the Bible tells us that we should focus on their needs, not just think about our own needs. So being a global community means so much more than just kind of thinking about what we should do as a church for ourselves. It means that we're thoughtful. It means that we're prepared. We're prepared. Jesus tells his disciples to be ready, he says, be ready. Keep your lamps burning. And in, verse, in chapter 12, he uses some interesting language. In verse 35, like we just read, it says, uh, be dressed, ready to serve. He says in verse 37, I tell you the truth, you will be dressed, he will dress himself to serve. When he says keep your lamp burning, your is emphatic. The word your is emphatic. He says keep your lamp burning. It doesn't matter, Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. I want you to be ready. He's talking about us as his disciples. I want to make sure that you are ready. So he says dress yourself. I love that. He says, you know, get, get dressed, get ready, be dressed. So when the master comes, you're ready to do it. You know, when, when we have people to our homes, we don't just start getting ready five minutes before they get there. Most of us don't. Some of you are pretty, you know, wait the last minute. But most people don't do that. They're getting prepared. They're prepared, especially if someone's coming for dinner. If someone's coming for dinner, you go out and you buy the food and you clean the house and you set the table. You're prepared. You're ready for them to come. When the plumber calls and says, I'll be there tomorrow between 9 and 12, you don't sleep in until 10.30. You don't set your clock to 10.30. You don't start taking a shower at 9 o'clock or 9.03 because you're preparing yourself. You're dressed and you're ready to receive that person. You're not sure exactly when they're going to be there, but you know they're going to be there. You hope they will. But you know they're going to be there, and so you prepare yourself for when they're going to be there. So you're dressed and you're ready, anticipating, you're anticipating their arrival. Jesus says, I'm coming. Now, you may not know exactly when I'm coming, but I want you to be ready for my return. I want you to be there. I want you to, to anticipate it. He's saying when I show up, that means that you need to, to, to stop what you're doing. You need to be focused on what I want you to do. When, when I, you know I'm coming and what I want you from you, all of you as my disciples, is I want you to be doing what I've commanded you to do. When I show up, I want you to be about what I've called you to be about. I want you to be doing what I've called you to do. I want you to be doing what I've commanded you to do. So when I show up, you better be ready. You better be prepared. You know, a follower of Jesus Christ is simply a servant of Jesus Christ. A servant, a slave, the Bible says. A servant of Christ. We serve Christ by serving each other. We serve Christ by investing in one another. And that's what we're talking about this morning. This is what this morning is about. It's, it's, not, it, it's about serving. It's not just about going on a missions trip. It's more than that. It's about true service. 
It's about us giving back to God. It's not about what we just, it's not about what we did this summer. It's about who we are as a church. What you're going to see this morning is who we are as a church. That's what we're talking about. It's about a church who wants to be obedient to their master. It's about about going on mission trips to Nigeria and to Mexico and to to Tampa. And we, we do things all over the world. But it's also about feeding people in our own community. It's about serving people in our own community. It's about serving people who are hurting or needy in our own church, our own body here. It's about bringing people meals who maybe had their, their a baby recently. It's about going and visit people at the prison or with someone in the hospital. It's about mowing someone's lawn who's sick, making sure that person doesn't have to think about it. It's about going and visiting someone and and spending time with them and listening to them and praying for them. Those are the things that we do as a church every single week. Those are the things that we're talking about. And yes, we're going to show you missions. And yes, we're going to show you how God's moved in 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 our church throughout this summer. But a lot of you didn't go on mission trips. You know what? You were serving all summer. You've been serving all summer long. And I want to acknowledge that. That what Christ is talking about here is that we need to be ready when he returns. We need to be about the things that he has called us to do, that he's commanded us to do. And that means from the simplest thing of going and praying with someone and bringing someone a meal or going somewhere out of this country and investing in the lives of orphans. And we're going to show that. One of the ways that we served our community this summer was through the ride. And I want to show you a video of the ride.
took uh, students from uh, our community. We had 48 students total. 23 of them were not from our church, just uh, students from our community. And 14 of those were scholarship. That means you paid for them to go. This was a great opportunity to, to allow students who normally wouldn't get a chance to do some of these exciting things th to have that chance. And they had that chance. And six of those students came to know Christ, which is really exciting. So it was, a, it was an incredible success. The ride was an incredible success. Now, two years in a row, God has truly been working in the lives of, of children here in our church. And this is one way that we're reaching out and making a difference in the lives of people in our own community. Another way that we're, we're impacting lives, not only in our own community, but around the country, is that we took a junior high trip to Tampa. And uh, I was able with my wife, Debbie, and some other leaders, you'll, you'll see them coming up here in a couple minutes, uh, to take this trip with the junior high. And I was a little bit nervous, I have to admit, okay, a little bit nervous. I uh, hadn't taken a junior high mission trip in about 15 years. And uh, I'm going to tell you, it was one of the best mission trips I've ever been on in my life. These guys are fantastic. So we went to Tampa. We invested in the lives of people there. Um, it was truly an amazing experience for me. And you're going to hear from some of them and some of our adult leaders. But first, let me show you the video of our trip to Tampa. Turned into wine Open the eyes of the blind There's no one like you None like you Into the darkness you shine Out of the ashes we rise There's no
Good morning, everyone. My name is Greg Mosier. Uh, I had the pleasure and honor of uh, being an adult leader with all these blue-shirted people, and, well, most of you, um, that were supposed to wear your blue shirts. Anyhow, um, I, I had the honor of going with these guys uh, to Tampa area through, a, uh, through an organization called Team Effort. Team Effort has sites all over the country. Uh, they're still doing hurricane relief, and they go into poverty-stricken areas. Uh, this year, we chose to go to Tampa Bay um, in June. Um, on record as one of the hotter Junes uh, ever in Florida, it was hot. Uh, it was, uh, uh, the, we had three work days. Um, we were at a church about, uh, what, 30 miles south and east of uh, St. Pete, uh, pretty far inland. Um, it was between 95 and 100 the three days that we worked, and I never knew that humidity could actually go beyond 100%. Um, I, it was a great weight loss program for me personally. Um, unfortunately, I got it all back when I came back up here, but um, it, was, it was a really hot trip. The, my concern was when our first day on the site was, I'm with junior high kids, I'm gonna hear a bunch of whiny kids um, not much work's going to get done. Um, this is my fourth mission trip with the junior high. Um, hands down, there was no weak, weak, uh, weak link with this group. These guys were by far the best workers I've ever had to ex got the experience to be with. I mean, it was amazing. Now, before we went on a mission trip, one, some of the things that we talked about were uh, knowing, uh, knowing what your gifts are. And uh, the neat thing about the site we were at, it was at a church uh, that primarily catered to um, migrant farm workers, um, Mexican, Latino. Um, there, at this church, there, were, there was a food pantry. Uh, there, there was a, a clothing thrift store. Uh, they had areas where they actually trained people on computers. Uh, where they, they had sewing machines set up where they taught people how to train, uh, how to sew. Um, they served meals. The, that particular week we were there, there was a vacation Bible school. Um, so each one of the kids got to do something a little bit different. And they had, um, the, ch the church was actually very nice. Uh, just the outside of it needed some, some minor repair work, which was perfect for these guys. And each one of the kids got to do what they wanted to do. And, man, they just knocked it out. And I'll tell you this, the team effort was a great organization. They had uh, stuff planned for the three days that we were there. We finished them all on day one. And we had already started the next, week, next week's projects by the end of the day on day one. So day two and day three, we were working into the second and third week of what they had planned for other groups coming in in the following weeks. So as, as a body, Grace Chapel, parents of these guys, you should be extremely proud of what these guys were able to accomplish. Uh, it was, these guys just have an amazing heart for God, an amazing heart for God, and they just want to serve. And collectively, they came together to serve amazingly. I was so proud of them. And a couple of stories here. First up, we got Dylan Bryan, then we got Catherine Devaney. They're going to give you a little insight on their thoughts. 
Hello, uh, my name is Dylan Bryan, as Greg already said, and I'll be going into eighth grade at Mason Middle School this August. Um, over the summer, I've had the chance to experience a very life-changing moment uh, this past June when we went to a missions trip in Tampa Bay um, with our youth group. And um, I first thought after, first when we start packing our, all of our supplies and clothes and everything, my first thoughts were that this is just something to do over the summer. It wasn't really something like I would focus that much on, but I soon figured out that I was way wrong and that all my thoughts were just totally wrong. And so um, once we, like the day of, uh, we get to the airport, we had to wake up at 5, 5.30 in the morning. And as you all know, that's very early. So uh, <laughs> everyone, everyone was really tired, I guess you could say, but that's what I thought. But once I arrived at the airport, everyone, at first, when I saw everyone there waiting for everyone to get there, no one was tired. Like, everyone was, looked excited and they were excited to go on this trip. And it just, that really just changed all my thoughts at the very beginning because it uh, really showed that this was gonna be a good trip because people were excited to go, people wanted to be on this trip, not just something to do over the summer. And so um, once we got to Florida after the, after the airplane ride, uh, we all noticed that it was very hot at the very beginning. So. And after the first day, we just kind of hanged around there. And so, um, and then the, on our first work day, we got to meet all the people at our work site. And uh, once, we meet the, once we met them, they were very, very nice people. And uh, so, like, after, after, during our first work day, our, our, our group leaders split us into, like, five or six groups to accomplish all the jobs. And those five or six groups were digging, uh, painting, destroying old sheds, and working with the VBS. And as I noticed with the VBS, I didn't get to work on it, but when people who did, it seemed like every single kid there wanted to be with you. And they were always happy. Every time you saw one of the VBS kids, they were never sad, which was really surprising me because I never, I never knew that there was always kids always happy. Because you see in Mason, Ohio, there's, not always, there's always kids wanting more. But you can also tell in other places around the US there's totally different things. And that, that's just, that just really surprised me once I went down there, that there's so many different people around the world that are just, are just incredible, that uh, they always, they're, <coughs> they're always happy with their, <laughs> they're always happy with their presence, like around them. They're always happy when you're around them. And so after the three work days, um, we had a thing called chapel every night. And that was a, uh, a service that brought all the five of the groups together just to have a service. And uh, once we got in there, I could just feel God's presence in the room. After the first steps I took into the room, I could just feel, feel the presence of God in there. And that's just, it really touched me a lot. And the pastor there, his main subject was having scaffolding in your life. And if you don't know what scaffolding is, it's a, uh, something to help structure a building, to help have it uh, give good support. So he wanted us to have build good scaffolding in our life, not to have bad scaffolding take over our faithful life. And so I, would, I could just, from every word the pastor said, I was just very touched with everything he said because I never, I never experienced something like that. And so on the last day of chapel, we took a different route and went up to the beach because there's a beach nearby. And uh, when we started walking over there, they gave us a piece of pipe and that was just to symbolize our, our uh, scaffolding in our life. So once we arrived to the beach, they explained why they gave us the scaffolding. And why they gave it to us was 
to um, just to, and they told us that that was, that was our scaffolding in our life. So we had the decision to make it good scaffolding or bad scaffolding right there. So when we decided to make it good, all at once, I'll never forget this, all at once we dropped our scaffolding, our pipe, piece of pipe, down to the ground, like right in front of the cross too. So it's simple. it showed everyone around us that we defeated our bad scaffolding and that it was, we'll always we promise to uh, just always have good scaffolding in our life. So that just really touched me there. And um, that's why I'll never forget this trip. Hi, I'm Catherine Devaney, and I'll be a freshman at Mason. Um, before I went on the missions trip, I wasn't completely sure what it was, what it meant to like be a Christian rather than just reading the Bible and coming to church. But as we were working each day on the missions trip, I realized it was be, being Christian was much more than that. I learned it was living your life for God and serving others to build your relationship with Him. With knowing this, the missions trip made me start building my relationship with God and serve Him in every way possible. One thing that made me feel closer with Him was worship. I felt like I really connected with me and was telling me that I should be living my life for him as a, as a Christian. Listening and singing along to the songs during worship made me feel like I was speaking to him and I knew he was listening. Another thing that made me feel like I was building my relationship with God was when we were all working outside. It was really hot out and we were painting and priming for a multiple hours. As the hours went by, we were all getting very tired, but Pastor Jeff reminded us multiple times that the Lord will keep our arms up to keep painting. As we were getting tired, there were other students there on the missions trip inside doing a vacation Bible school with the little kids. It was really cool to see how close some of the students came with the little kids. Some of the little kids just didn't want to leave their side on the last day. When the last day came of BBS, um, some of the girls asked for the little kids' addresses um, so they could write them back and forth to each other so they could keep in contact. Um, to me, this... To me, this said that God really wanted us to all stay connected, even if we didn't know each other a few days before that. But after going on the missions trip, I now know that each and every day I can rely on the Lord for being with me with every decision that I make. sky, traced out by the city lights, my world from a mile high, best seat in the house tonight, touch down in the cold black top, hold on for the sudden stop, breathing the familiar shock of confusion and chaos, all those people going somewhere, why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms for the broken hearted The ones that are far beyond my reach Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see Yeah
busy street See a girl in our eyes meet Does her best to smile at me To hide what's underneath There's a man just to right Black suit and a bright red tie Too ashamed to tell his wife He's out of work, he's buying time All those people going somewhere Why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms for the broken hearted The ones that are far beyond my reach Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see Yeah 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 Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms for the brokenhearted The ones that are far beyond my reach Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see Give me your eyes Lord, give me your eyes My name is Brian Munaf. I'm the youth pastor here at Grace Chapel. And uh, well, you just saw those last few pictures with some of the devastation from Hurricane Alex, um, which came soon after we actually left. Um, and you'll be hearing about more from a few others. Um, but this trip was really unique um, for me in a lot of ways. Um, and every trip is always unique, but it's also the same. But what was unique about this trip was uh, that... Um, I got to go with my wife. Um, we just recently got married, and so it was unique for me that I got to have um, my partner in ministry with me. Um, what's also more unique is that six years ago, that's exactly where we met on a mission trip. Um, so it's kind of cool to have that, uh, that moment there. It was also unique in that uh, my brother was able to go with us down there, and so I loved having my brother there. And it was also unique in that I got to baptize my brother-in-law. And so this trip for me personally um, was very um, significant in my life, and it had a lot of meaning and a lot of um, just praising God for who he is and how he's done this over the past six years of, of developing students um, and just speaking into their life and letting them uh, encounter him. And uh, we had 43 um, uh, people go on this trip with us this year, and every year, like I said, is unique and it's yet the same, and it was unique for me in a lot of ways, and I'm sure they'll share how it was unique for them. Um, but God is always so faithful to come and just reveal himself time and time again in, in a whole uh, way to each and every student individually. 
And uh, we, we do something down there called Picture of the Day, uh, which where basically we get together at the end of the day and we get in a big circle, all 43 of us, it's a pretty big circle. And we take up all of the profit that they have down there. And we, um, we basically talk about a snapshot. If you could take one snapshot of the day, something that stood out, um, where God really just spoke to you. He gave some kind of revelation, some truth that really just connected with you. And um, it was so uh, encouraging to see every night the students just being real and saying, this is how God spoke to me, whether it was really being transparent about, hey, you know what, this is, this is hard for me, but God's teaching me. Or um, this was really funny, and I just want to encourage this person uh, and how they, they challenged me. Um, and it was just neat to go around taking that hour and a half that we'd spend every night um, just to, to get into the snapshot of everybody for their picture of the day. Um, and it's just so cool to see how God speaks and works um, in everyone's life individually and also corporately. And um, one of the most memorable moments for, for me down there was on a Wednesday night, uh, back-to-back uh, has started doing like an all-corporate worship night together. Um, it's where we all get together um, and we squeeze in a pop-up as best we can. It's always busting out, overflowing, because there's just no way we can all fit under it. But we... um. Uh, we were challenged just to, to pray and to see God and just to meditate. And it was so powerful to see God move in, in not just our students' hearts, but every youth group, every group that was down there. Um, as people were just going and praying for each other, um, people were worshiping, people were journaling, people were doing everything. It was so neat. And I think the thing that was most encouraging was it wasn't, um, it wasn't you know, oh, this person's best friend going off together to go talk. It was it was people who um, didn't know each other that well or who just met each other on this trip, praying and seeking God together. And that was powerful. And it was in that moment I just stood back and was like, wow, that, that is such a God moment. That is so powerful to see God move um, when we're actually the biblical community whenever. It's not about who's your best friend or who you're most comfortable with. It's about sincerely listening to the Holy Spirit as we seek to pray for one another and encourage each other to do the work of God. And so I'm so proud and honored to be um, the youth pastor of these students and even to have the adults that went with us. Um, it was an amazing trip. Um, and every year I'm just blown away by how God moves and how he brings us together um, and how it just um, propels us off into the, the school years. We start to really just bring um, and raise God's renown in, this, in the community. So um, I don't want to take up more time. I want um, these students to share their experience. I'm going to have Elias go first. Hi, um, I'm Elias Magana, as Brian said, and I'm going to be a junior at Mason High School. And I've been on the mission trip twice, and both times really amazing. Uh, one of the things we got to do this year was take the kids from one of the homes to uh, a big park, and uh, they got to ride their bikes and uh, play around the playground. And it, that wasn't something they got to do very often, and you could tell that they were really enjoying it and having a really good time. And... Uh, one of the things that struck me that day was uh, that when we were leaving, uh, they were sad, but it wasn't just because they were leaving the park, but because they were also leaving us. And on our way out, uh, by the end of the day, all the kids had gotten to know us, and they were uh, holding our hands and clinging to our arms or being carried, and uh, they, none of them wanted to let go. And uh, when, at, when we were getting on the buses and saying bye, uh, was one of the moments that I got to realize uh, that we aren't just taking the kids to the park, but uh, we're, we really get to show them that we do care about them. And uh, in my opinion, that's one of the most important parts about being able to go to Mexico is showing them that we really do care about them. Also, uh, that week was a time of spiritual growth for me. And uh, on the, one of the last days that we were there, Beth was telling us a story about how she once rode a horse that had a burr in its saddle. 
and the horse was very uncomfortable, but eventually the horse got used to it and started ignoring it. And she said she wanted the week for us to be like a burr in our saddle, except she hoped that we wouldn't forget our experiences and ignore it and just go home and go back to our regular lives. And she was telling this story. I remembered that she had told us the same story the year before. And uh, I, as although I'd forgotten the story, I hadn't ignored the burr. And uh, at that moment, I realized how much the trip from last year had been able to make a change and impact in my life. And uh, I'm hoping that when I go back next year, I'll also be able to see even more change and more growth. Thanks. Hi, I'm Audrey Greenstone, and I'll be a junior at Mason this year. Um, this is my first time going on the trip. And when I first heard about it, I didn't think much of it because I'd never been before and I didn't know what it was like. But um, I thought it would be pretty cool, but I never thought I'd actually get there. Um, as I continued to hear about it at Veritas on Sunday nights and at church on Sunday mornings, um, I realized that God was telling me that I needed to go. It was, no, it was no longer something that I just wanted to do. I felt like it was something that I really had to do. Um, I didn't know what he would have in store for me, but I knew I had to listen and follow him on this one. And so that's what I did, and I ended up. Um, raising all of the money by myself and on the bus, 36-hour bus ride down there. Um, while in Mexico, I definitely felt God working in me. Um, throughout the week, they kept saying, this is going to be the best summer of, summer of our lives. Um, I wanted so badly to believe this and knew that God could make it happen. He started the best summer by, I feel like, making me selfless throughout the whole week so I could pour myself out onto the kids and just so I could serve and work. Um, it was so nice to not be focused on myself and what I wanted or how I was feeling for a week, but to focus on how we could work to glorify God and to just be with the kids. Um, it may sound cliche, but to just see the smiles on those, those kids' faces gives you so much joy. Um, it's such a different feeling from anything I've ever felt because I was used to living day-to-day -day trying to make myself happy. Um, interacting with the back-to-back -back staff and with the children and adults in the homes made me realize that I have so much to be grateful for and that I don't want to be living so selfishly anymore because they have such a passion for life and for God when they have so much less than me. Um, before going to Mexico, I didn't know why God wanted me there so badly. A few weeks after the trip, I saw that he was showing me that I had been missing something. He wanted me to see that I can't live a life without service. While, sh while serving others for a week straight, I felt so full and alive. But when I came home and didn't have that every single day, it didn't take long for me to feel empty again. By giving all of my energy into serving and working that week ended up being the time in my life when I felt most rejuvenated. That week, God showed me a glimpse of the ama amazing relationship he wanted to have with me and how in reach it really was. I saw how extremely important serving is and making that relationship stronger. I was able to see that you cannot grow closer to God if you're not taking action, and you cannot serve if you're just sitting at home. And I guess for me to see that, I had to go all the way to Mexico, which was pretty cool. Um, being in Mexico made me rethink my priorities and what I want to spend all my time doing outside of the school year. Like Elias said, um, when I heard the story about the burr in the saddle, that really hit me, and I realized that this was my burr. Um, 
But previously I had been a part of two competitive dance teams and this was just taking up so much time and so much effort and I realized that um, this isn't what I, what I enjoy the most and what I have the most passion for. What I have the most passion for is God and serving and I wanted to make more time for that. So I quit one of the teams and I, it was really hard. I knew that I didn't know what I was doing going into making that decision, but I know now that it was the right thing to do and that it'll really turn out to be work out for me this year. Um, looking back, I can truly say that this summer was the best summer of my life so far because of what God showed me through that week and how he is still using it to change me today. Thank you. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Chris. I feel like we have to introduce ourselves now. Like, I'm Chris, and I'm addicted to mission trips because everyone up here is kind of like sharing our names as we go. Um, I am addicted to mission trips. We're going to show you some pictures while we share with you just for the sake of time. Um, and all the, all the really touching songs are used up for the first three videos. So um, um, we couldn't find one for ours. Uh, especially since ours was pieced together at just the last minute. Um, at the end of that high school video, you saw that Hurricane Alex was coming into Monterey as our team was coming home, and it blasted the city of Monterey over the next few days, dumping um, over 40 inches of rain in less than 36 hours on the city of Monterey. And when you add that to the back-to-back -back campus, of the, that the fact that they are on the side of a mountain and that all of the water, the goal is that it runs down the roads of this area that the campus is located and to get to a river, then you have water just slamming the back-to-back -back campus for days. In addition to the Rios, the outer missions that back-to-back um, -back partners with, one of them, uh, most of the people who live there are squatters who live on a river bank. And the river bank that they lived on had expanded from uh, 100 yards in a river to 200 yards. And it had just overtaken their entire property. And when I read that on Back to Back's site, for those of you who don't know me, I, I work for Back to Back. And that's uh, the ministry and the family that I'm a part of. And as I read from my friends and, and what was going on in Monterey, God sparked something in me that just said, Go. Just get there. And so within a two-week time frame, we pieced together a team of seven adults who were going to go. And our goal was just to be grunts for the back-to-back -back staff. Do whatever they needed us to do in order to get their campus back up and running to host more groups whose stories you heard from already this morning. We wanted them back up and functioning, knowing that in August their team gets a month off from hosting groups and that they get to spend their time influencing other avenues of ministry, support raising, different things that they needed to be addressing. And we didn't want them stuck dealing with a water problem and not able to get back into their ministry. So our team went down did a lot of physical labor over a week-long um, uh, uh, process where we ended up getting water to funnel away from their main buildings, funneling it out toward the road so that it's not damaging any more of their property, um, losing a thumb in the process. It was a great time. And uh, getting water away from the director's house, all kinds of physical work. But that wasn't the biggest thing that God did during the week. Um, our theme here is summer to serve together. And the seven of us outside of my relationship with the different people on this team didn't know each other when they left Ohio and one from, person from Texas to get together and work for, um, for this week-long event. But what God did in the 
the together aspect, the community of our trip, was nothing less than his power. Um, He unified a team on a a flight, that just people that didn't even know each other. By the time we got to Monterey, we were ready to serve together. And what we didn't realize was that we were going to become family to minister to each other at a deeper level than just digging a trench and getting water away from a few buildings. And uh, one of the greatest fruits of this week has been my friendship with Chip. Um, And Chip Shock's going to come and share just a few words of his trip. And I just wanted to introduce you to him and let him uh, share his testimony. In case my allergies act up, I've got my handkerchief here. Um... Chris was a little, he was privy to what was going on with me more than the rest of the team, I think, and that's why he asked me to come and share. Can you all hear? Okay. Oh, this is nerve-wracking. Um, so much happened this week that I, there's not enough time to share it with everybody, and, and I'd like to you know, talk about the team. Chris has done a great job. I, I don't have the words to express what I feel for these young people. So I'm just going to try to read. I started writing out the trip. I didn't know what to say. And I got to the second, the second day in what I'm writing, and my time's up. So I'm really going to go through like the first, first couple days, OK? So just bear with me. Uh, several weeks ago, Chris stood up and made an appeal for some volunteers to go to Monterey, Mexico, to provide hurricane relief assistance. At the time, I was not aware that a hurricane had even hit Mexico. I don't actually recall anything he said. I just remember thinking, I have some vacation, I have some money, and I have some construction skills. Maybe I should go. And suddenly I got all choked up inside. My wife was working media that day, so when she got home, I mentioned that I thought maybe I should go to Mexico. Her immediate response was that she thought so too. In fact, she said she almost mentioned it to me during the service. When I heard that, I got all choked up inside again. At that point, I decided it was time to just say yes to, do, to what I was feeling and not second-guess or make excuses. It was that day or perhaps the next day that I called Chris and told him I wanted to go. Shortly after committing to go, this trepidation set in. After all, it's really hot down there, and I'm pushing 55 years old. I started thinking that I may be the only old guy in a group of young people, and maybe it was not the Lord calling me. Maybe it's just my imagination. After all, I cry at movies all the time. So, however, the difference between this, this and other times was that this time I decided that it didn't, it didn't matter if it was my imagination. My new motto was no more excuses. I believe that this was the Holy Spirit acting on me because I generally rationalized myself into inaction. So I wrote the check and I was in. I didn't know any of the other people in the team before this trip, not even Chris. When we all met at the airport, my first fear was realized. These were all young people. Chris was the oldest in the bunch, and he's still over 20 years younger than me. I thought, I have nothing in common with any of these people except we're all booked on the same flight. (laughs) Thankfully, I had no choice but to believe that God put me here, and it was his plan. That became my fallback position for the week, and that's not a bad position to hold. So we flew down to Monterey. I became acquainted with some of the team members en route. In Houston, we picked up Sherry, or Chris's sister-in-law Sherry, who was almost 40, and I felt a little bit better. At least one person in the team's old enough that they couldn't be one of my kids. <laughs> so 
We waited at the airport in Monterey for another team to arrive from Cincinnati. As, as they were getting on the bus, I recognized one person, and I thought, you know, I, couldn't, I can't place him right away. Chris said, that's my boss, Casey, the director of Back to Back. That's when I realized that it was Casey Foreman, one of the founders of the company that I still work for. I hadn't seen him for five years. It was one of those coincidences that you feel are not really coincidences, but setups by the Holy Spirit provide nothing more than general reassurance that he's in control. He's got your back. Anyway, it was reassuring to me. I think that's about when I started getting a vague sense that God brought me here to do something not so much about hurricane relief, but about chip. I started getting all choked up at odd times. In fact, it was random. Tears would just start flowing. I hid behind my sunglasses and pretended I had allergies. <laughs> that first afternoon, back to back, we spent getting settled in and getting more acquainted with each other. Chris, he was anxious to get to work. After all, that's what we were here for. I was less anxious. I was starting to feel like a basket case and I didn't have a clue why. Get in there and see in uh, Stephen Christie Ross and Craig Avon was, was reassuring to me. Sunday, our first full day, we got off to a slow start. We did the morning routine, a breakfast, quiet time, then sharing as a team, and then we were ready to work. By that time, Chris was chomping at the bit to do something. I think Will was getting a little impatient, too. I was kind of glad we weren't rushing into things. After some additional delay, we finally began our actual hurricane relief by going to Sam's Club for a couple hundred hot dogs and some watermelon for distribution to the poor at the church back-to-back -back partners, partners within Rio 3. Eventually, we made it out to Rio 3, an area where the poor were hit the hardest. After a walk along the river where the poor were reconstructing their shacks, we got down to the business of performing actual work. Most of the team went about grading a section of dirt outside the church in preparation for pouring some cement. My task was to paint inside the church. So I found myself rolling paint on the stucco walls of a shower and a latrine located in the church that ministers to severely poor people in Monterey, Mexico. As you can imagine, it wasn't the cleanest latrine I visited. It was cramped, hot, and it had a wet cement floor, and I can only guess what caused the wetness. I remember standing on the board, I'd laid across the bowl of the commode, cutting in the edges of the thieling, thinking, okay, Lord, here I am. Is this really what I came down to do? Seems like a mighty expensive paint job to me. Still, I had decided early on that I was simply saying yes to the Holy Spirit, even by coming, and I had no expectations. I sort of shrugged off the thought and just determined to finish the job. Shortly after that, a kid named David showed up. He asked, he, he asked me if he could help paint, communicating mostly through hand motions. My initial thought was to tell him to come back later. I really wanted to just get the latrine painted and get out of there. But instead I said, sure, give him the paintbrush. He jumped right in and he managed to paint behind the toilet where I couldn't reach. After that, he gave me a big grin and had a look of total satisfaction. That's when I started to get it. I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, see Chip, it's not that complicated. I was given a glimpse of David through the eyes of Christ and I began to experience joy. Monday we were tasked with working on the drainage system that needed installation. 
This entailed removing sidewalks and digging a trench through soil that was essentially boulders bound together by wet clay. I started off by myself, busting through a sidewalk with a sledge. It wasn't long before I was exhausted and I had barely made a dent in the sidewalk. Shortly after that, one of the staff, a young Mexican man named Mao, came over and asked me if I wouldn't mind using a jackhammer because he loved using a sledge. I'm convinced he hates, I'm convinced he hates sledging as much as I do, and he just has a merciful heart. As we labored in the heat, that day I couldn't help but note the irony of me going to Mexico to perform the labor that we pay Mexicans to do up here. It was pretty obvious to me that much more work could get accomplished if I had simply sent the money to back, back to back and had them hire some local laborers. That's when I felt the Holy Spirit impress on me that God's economy isn't our economy. It's also about the time my head started pounding, I had difficulty breathing, and I felt really dizzy. Gobble, one of the staff, advised me that I should go lay down because I was probably overheating. So I went in the dorm and lay down, and I also broke down. As I wept, I asked the Lord, what am I doing here? What's going on? I got the distinct feeling that the Holy Spirit was telling me that he'd brought me to such a point of exhaustion so that I would finally listen to him. I was exhausted, both physically and spiritually. I was finally ready to let him do what he needed to do. My economy had crashed that afternoon. He showed me that indeed the foolishness of God is wiser than men. After all, what could be more foolish than for me to pay $1,100 to go to Mexico to dig a trench and paint a latrine? Only a fool would make that investment. Yet I was beginning to see that it wasn't about digging trenches or hurricane relief. Sure, there are people and things that, that require attention, people in need, but in man's economy, there's a much more efficient ways to accomplish these goals than getting on an airplane, flying to another country and saying, here I am, give me a shovel. So I abandoned perceive the wisdom of God. Take me out of my world, my comfort zone, my life, work me to exhaustion, then hold up a mirror. As I lay on my rack in the dorm that afternoon, many of my cherished beliefs and opinions died. The economy of Chip was finally bankrupt. Hallelujah. So, in a way, I was born again, again. Almost 40 years after asking Christ into my heart, I find myself asking Christ to be Lord of my life. Some of us are slow learners. A remarkable thing has happened. I find myself praying more and actually wanting to pray more. The words of the worship music have meaning to me again. I don't want to be who I was. I desire to be in the community of believers. I want to be involved in small group so I can experience life together with people of faith. I want to say yes, Lord. Thanks.
I don't know. Uh, I don't know how many times on our team we asked that question. Um, when I wrote the check, even from the finances for airfare and um, and even the back-to-back cost of going, should we just send this? Should we just be sending this? And some of you contributed sacrificially to just help us either get there or do whatever, and you trusted us with those finances. And here's the answer: God kept coming, giving back to me, and I know He gave to Chip even through his testimony. Is that just writing a check isn't the gospel? Um, us landing on that soil and being able to speak and act the truth of Jesus Christ and to be his hands and feet, that's the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ is that we can love one another and that we can embrace that love by the grace that he has given us. And we could have, on any of these trips, junior high, high school, or this one, and as parents, you may have asked it for every trip. We could have asked the question, wouldn't it make more sense for us just to, to pay for them to do that or just to invest in their economy. And Chip said it right. God's economy and our economy are two completely different things. Our checks can't hold kids in their arms and swim with them for hours. Our checks don't hold conversations and they don't speak love into someone's eyes when they are completely broken. Our checks can't hug. But thank you for your checks, for your cash, for your sacrifice that put these mission trips, these teams on the mission field this summer because the gospel was shared through Grace Chapel, through the people that went, and all of your sacrifice as a church that empowered the people to go. There's a place for us to give financially. There's a place for us to go physically. There's always a place for us to be communally. And whether that's here together through small groups this fall, through a church, as we share the gospel with one another and with the world, or it's on a mission trip, you're invited as part of Grace Chapel to be a community globally together. And so thank you for sharing with us in any level of your investment over this past summer. And thank you for the leap of faith that every one of us is going to be taking from this point forward to be community together. In advance, I thank you for being the church with us as you let us lead you and you're part of this journey together and we see how the gospel transforms us all. Would you stand and close with prayer with me? Heavenly Father, we give you praise for your story that was shared today. We take no credit for it. We just simply and humbly confess that we will champion it. We will share the stories that we heard. We will share 